Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Caleb Rossiter. I hope I pronounced that right. He's from the CO2 Coalition. African lives matter, and they need power. They need energy source, and they're not getting it. And the coalition uh, with um, 50 climate scientists and energy economic uh, economics. Uh, there's so much information here. I really like you to go back and read it because uh, you, sh you should read about what he's doing and how much he's, he's um, got in his background here. But he wants to bring new tech um, uh, coal-fired electricity for Africa, clean air, indoors and out. And it's not happening, it's being blocked and African lives are suffering because of it and policies need to change. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How can we empower this change? Uh, the necessity that we really do need in putting all lives matter, in this case, African lives matter, we take for granted electricity. We just switch a switch and it's there for us. Or if the power goes out, oh my God, you know, our day has come to an end. Um, these people live without power all the time and it really is impeding um, their lifestyle, their work, everything. And having lived in South Africa for, for 11 years, I can see how it would, uh, would do that. So Caleb is on, on a mission here, right Caleb? On a mission to bring electricity and light to Africa. Uh, indeed, I am. I must say, the second you started talking, my son began his piano practice. <laughs> so I think you can probably hear that in the background. Is that oh, correct? Well, we just have some ambient music in the background there. <laughs> it's, it's completely up to you. I can handle it if you can handle it. Yeah, I'm not hearing it uh, predominantly, oh, okay. so okay. not to worry about one, it. One, wonderful. Yes, um, we've just published this report uh, that really relates to something I've been working on for th 30 or 40 years which is uh, African development requires electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard for us to imagine uh, in our countries in the, in the West, uh, Canada, United States, or the EU, when only one third of people have electricity in their home. Yeah. And, and every business is blacked out every day when they're trying to meet orders. And to keep it going, you know from living in South Africa, when the power goes down, people fire up these diesels, which mm -hmm. you terrible soot all over the place and are horrible for your health in order to keep the power on. That's a crazy method. So grid electricity is what really added to life expectancy in China, about 18 years they've gained in the last 20 years of life expectancy per person. Mm. Uh, in the United States and the UK, um, Canada back in the 1930s and 40s, to participate in the modern economy, to have life expectancy, to have a good life for your children, you need electricity mm -hmm. and Africa is on a mission uh, to raise its, its rates. And the United States promised to help under President Obama starting a program called Power Africa. Unfortunately, when African countries will come and say, we want the power, we'd like American scrubbed coal power because we've got a lot of coal here in the ground. Uh, the United States under Obama blocked those loans, blocked them from Power Africa, blocked them from the World Bank 
because of their fears about climate computer models that say 50 years from now, the earth will get much warmer in a dangerous sense. Um, frankly, the models have never come true yet, but even if they were, Africa is going to be a tiny, tiny portion of the carbon dioxide emitted by industry. So we're really hoping Africa will be held harmless and sort of pardoned from mm. this climate madness that we're experiencing in Canada and the U.S. Uh, and that's what our rep report is about. Could it be done? Now, as you know, having lived in South Africa, it's essentially a, a country placed on top of a coal mine. Mm -hmm. South Africa is God's treasure chest for coal, which explains why they were the only country in Africa where there's clean water that you don't have to treat it. Uh, I mean, when you personally, when you drink it, you don't have to treat it or drink Coca-Cola. People would say, well, what's water got to do with electricity? Well, water, of course, is the way most Africans die in the first five years of their life. These huge infant mortality rates, kids have d dirty water, they get diarrhea, they, they, they die. Their, their infant mortality rates are about, I'd say 10 times that in Canada and the United States because mm. of the water. Water gets cleaned with electricity because it gets pumped over and over again as you wipe out the, um, the pollutants from it and, and the poisons from it. So in every way, uh, heating your home so you don't have to burn wood in the house, which kills 400,000 Africans a year from pneumonia and, and bronchitis, mm -hmm. um, keeping your energy going so you can make money and people can have jobs for, from the factories are working, and, and just um, having the water clean. Electricity really is the core of where Africa can go, uh, and it's not going well. Right, right. And, you know, yes, you know, I agree that we do need to go to alternative energies, um, and that is the way the world will go. But you're talking about the immediate, and the immediate, as you said, it's a, you know, a small amount. Um, they can change to other alternatives later, but if the coal is there right now, why are they not utilizing it? Why are they keeping people in the dark? you know, that's, that's at the right. present moment. So, you know, it's deal with the now and then the future will take care of itself. You need to empower now, not only for their own safety, to be able to cook their food for, for light and industry, right. but how does creativity come about if, it, and if there's more darkness than light? So it makes sense that generate the power they need in order for them to advance. And then later on, when the rest of the world has changed all their energy factors, they can change it too. But right now they're in need and this is the time that they need to be helped. I think that's beautifully put. We focus on what we can do now to keep people alive mm -hmm. who deserve to have a full life. Uh, it's interesting, the United States has only one of these new modern coal plants and we sent a bunch of scientists to go visit it and look at it. Uh, they call them uh, high efficiency, low emissions. Mm -hmm. All the things that actually make you sick from a coal plant like sulfur dioxide um, and all these uh, nitrous oxides you don't want in the air. Uh, they clean them out almost 100%. But they only built one. It works beautifully. It's down there in Arkansas and serves Texas because at the moment that they started it, uh, natural gas uh, and the fracking revolution came to America and the price of energy uh, to create electricity with natural gas at your plant is so much lower than for coal, than for nuclear, than for wind, than for anything that America went to natural gas electricity. Uh, but this plant is sitting there uh, and they're ready. And our project really was to see how would it fit in Africa, in the, in the regulatory context, in the cultural context of Africa. Could this plant maintain itself, be operated, mm -hmm. not be 
hurt by corruption or people stealing the power lines, all the important, because they want the scrap metal, all the things right. that you yes. need in South Africa. These are real. These aren't yes. concerns oh my in, God. Corruption. in Chicago <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or Vancouver, but they're concerns in Malawi, they're yeah. concerns in, in, uh, in Mozambique. So we looked very carefully at the things companies would have to look out for if they did get contracted to bring the American clean coal technology to Africa. So, you know, there's no magic bullet. Uh, Africa's got a lot of development problems that militate against big projects. Mm. You know, you, you have to be able to make a living if you're a company. And if you think the, the, the country can come in and void your contract and steal your money, obviously you're going to have to be very careful. I think South Africa is a good example of how corruption can harm a wonderful electrical grid. It was the pride of Africa. It was 100%. It was providing electricity in the, in the 2000s and 2010s to Mozambique, you know, Malawi, Zimbabwe, all the countries to the north. But the corruption of the government since then, they're putting hundreds of people on salary in little power stations that need like one person. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not investing in, the, in the keeping your energy looking forward, keeping it all well-maintained. And there's blackouts regularly in South Africa now. So just because we have the great technology here doesn't mean it would work in Africa. We're just simply asking for a chance for African governments to think they can set it up to be able to import it from the United States. You know, I think uh, humans are their own worst enemy. And, you know, you mentioned corruption, which get a pretty well as in every government. I, I did a wonderful show on, on India and, and clean water and toilets. Hmm. You know, when you look at India and you go, it, it's, it can be quite an opulent country, yet there are so much poverty there, people not going to school because there's no running water and toilets. And you just think, well, how can it be in 2020 that there are still people without water, without toilets, and in this case, without electricity? What's going on in the world? And it's it's always people who get in the way of that progress? Well, we have uh, mentioned corruption, which is people are, um, let's put it this way, if, if you're an unpaid health inspector or policeman in, um, in uh, let's say, Zambia, uh, the government's running out of money, they owe a tremendous amount of debt to the West and they can't, and China, and they can't pay it off. You know, you're going to use your opportunities as a power mm. of the state to make some money on the side through corruption to keep your family alive. You know, there's yeah. a certain level you have to get to in development uh, before you can uh, have perfect you know, anti-corruption systems. Of course, in the United States, the reason we have a very low corruption is that we got a lot of cops. And, and any local official has to look over their shoulder in Chicago or in Washington, DC, and probably in Vancouver too, to wonder, am I being set up? Is this a police sting to see mm. if I'm dirty? Human beings are not going to change. Right. <laughs> There's going to be corruption, but we have to have systems to control it. Um, the biggest need for Africa, though, is to get to the next level of economic development where the average person can take care of their family without resorting to using their power uh, to steal chickens mm. from the person they're supposed to be monitoring at the chicken farm. You know, right. I've seen that in Malawi, for example. I asked a, a young farmer, what, what's democracy to you once? And he said, when the local inspector can't demand two chickens from me in order to get this permit approved. Right. That, mm. That's democracy. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody doing their job without a handout. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we seem to have 
and one side so much incredible progress as you said you can you can uh, utilize this coal and reduce the emissions and you know it's come a long way right. but we always have people that seem to block it for political aims which is what's happening now and you know two wrongs don't make a right and again when you're looking at the need of the now is what can you produce right now that can give electricity? And we've got to look at it from the, the humane point of view. As you said, you know, dirty water, the amount of people that die from it, the lack of um, industry due to electricity, the lack of safety due to the lack of electricity, uh, the crime that can happen in the dark. It's somewhere along the line, the, the political um, opinion of climate change and changing things. I do agree, we do need to go into cleaner and friendlier um, environmental energy sources. But when you're looking at a society that's in dire need right now, you need to step into the humanity of it and leave the political aside and deal with what you need to deal with right now. And it's, it's appealing to the consciousness of these people, isn't it? Well. Europe and America have a little problem with Africa, as you know, which is called colonialism. Mm -hmm. It goes back a long time and mm -hmm. it ended in the 1950s and 60s. But uh, Africa is still very dependent economically on Europe in particular. So, for example, the European countries, because of their powerful environmental green political parties, don't like something called genetically modified foods, which is wheat or corn or maize which are, uh, they change the genetic materials um, to the, the sequencing, so they'll be resistant to pests, or they won't need as much water or fertilizer, whatever. And because the uh, European Union is against them from these environmental sort of millennial concerns, um, African countries can't export to their primary partners, which are the European former colonial powers. Uh, the United States, uh, I don't know how Canada is on this, but the United States is very much in favor of the progress on genetically modification, modifying crops, uh, but the Europeans don't. So I'd say the, the biggest wickedness that Europe is doing to Africa now is, is really in this refusal to let them grow the kind of food that they want. Um, you have out there uh, in Canada where you live on Vancouver Island, one of the world's great scientists on genetically modified foods, his name is Patrick Moore. Now, D Dr. Moore runs an organization called Allow Golden Rice now, meaning mm -hmm. there's a special kind of rice that you can genetically modify to help children with their childhood diseases, mm. uh, especially v v vitamin A diseases. But many uh, governments around the world you know, block it because it is a genetically modified food. The United States' biggest crime, I would say, is this carbon colonialism, where we have concerns about carbon dioxide here. We can argue about those some other time as to how immediate they are and when, when the transition should occur. Obviously, it'll take some time because about 80% of the world's energy and America's and Canada's comes from fossil fuels, mm -hmm. nuclear, wind, solar, and, and, uh, and, and hydro, which is very big in Eastern Canada, of course, uh, are, are much smaller. But leave that aside. Right now, Africa only has the coal, the gas, the oil. They don't have the ability to run a huge uh, grid level combination of windmills and solar panels. Heck, we in the West haven't been able to do that. It's a very expensive undertaking. Yes. So they should, their access should be reliable, should be cheap. Um, and then we can argue later about how to help them with their transition. Right, exactly. Deal with the now. I mean, 
Africa used to be a very rich uh, country, gold, diamonds and everything else. And it's, you know, it's become kind of quite a poor country now because of the transition, um, the, the, the redirection everybody has gone in. They've got to find their feet. They've got to find their roots. You have such a tribal thing there where the tribes rather like political parties can be at odds with each other and nobody agreeing so you need to give them as much help as possible in order to you know to to get their roots in the ground and to start growing as an industry again because there's it's such a beautiful country there's so much enrichment there but it doesn't seem to be kind of given a chance right now it went so backwards in many ways you know, after apartheid, instead of moving forward, especially industry. And we have a lot of violence there. Well, the violence comes from poverty. The violence, you know, violence comes from the lack of, lack of jobs or lack of ability to support your family. And if a simple thing like just giving them electricity and, you know, argue about the environment later, because I mean, you know, I, I'm an environmentalist to a point that we definitely need to change our practices, right. most certainly. But if we have people dying in the meantime, then, you know, where if the argument is to save the people and the planet. But if you're killing people in the meantime because they haven't got anything, then that does not seem to be very practical or, or have a good equilibrium there. So it's save lives now. And once they get prosperous, because of industry, then you can make the argument with them of making the changes then. But asking a poor country, which it has become in many ways, um, to, you know, to go to this other platform that is so expensive that many Western countries can't even afford is, is criminal in many ways. Well, it's funny that you mentioned saving the people and the planet, because uh, the chair of our group is this Dr. Patrick Moore up there in, in Vancouver Island an ecologist, and he always says, uh, uh, we're the ones saving the people of the planet from the people who think they're saving the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. we have to worry about the people first. Now you have to remember, Sarah, that South Africa, where you and I have lived, uh, is, despite its corruption in the energy sector and despite its problems, most Africans would think they've died and gone to heaven if they could live in South Africa because they do have universal electricity. They do have universal clean water. They work so hard on their ele electricity and their, and their corporate sort of business atmosphere. Uh, and South Africa is very much like Canada and uh, the United States in that large numbers of people are trying to get into South Africa because you can have a better opportunity for your children in this good environment of clean water and electricity provided. Um, roughly 10% of South Africa, just like 10% of the United States, are illegal or non-documented immigrants who come down all, I've met people who walked from Ethiopia, mm. walked from Nigeria and they're mm. professors and they work in universities. Uh, South Africa has about 10 million non-documented people there uh, because it is a, an economy much better than the rest of Africa. So actually Africa would like to get to where South Africa right. is in terms of yeah. opportunity for your children to, to live to adulthood and to, and to have a rewarding life. And I mean, you know, as a parent, that's what we want. We don't want our children to be born uh, to die. You know, we, we want to, um, we don't want to outlive our kids. And we, you know, we, we obviously the whole AIDS ep uh, epidemic and, and, and violence and everything else. It's, um, you know, it, it's time that we put the aggression aside and start looking at how do we see the opportunity 
And that's what you're wanting to do with Africa right now is seed their op own opportunity for their own growth and their own well-beingness. And again, it always comes down to the political thing, doesn't it? Now, I understand why they don't want this and they don't want that in the world. But, you know, while you're busy changing the world's energy and changing the world's opinion, which is still going to take a long time, why are you leaving these people behind in the meantime? Give them a chance with what they've got. Right. Give them the technology they need in order to thrive themselves. And as I said, later on, when they're being fruitful and thriving, now you can talk about a change. But why should people die and go hungry in the meantime? Well, it's interesting you mention it that way because the World Bank, which is the United States and Canada funded, and they do big projects in Africa, was helping with proper power solutions to electricity up until the time in the 19, late 1990s, early 2000s, when the global warming mania hit. Mm -hmm. so, so, so science is always an issue. Yeah. If, if you actually believed that we're about to destroy the planet and we won't be able to breathe anymore and we're all gonna die, the so-called existential crisis, I suppose you wouldn't fund anything that uses clean coal, even with the small amount of uh, carbon dioxide emissions. But um, it, we, we, we just don't see that. So the science is also important. People need to slow down a little bit and see that uh, to, to, to date, uh, scientists do not find any increase in you know, rates of hurricanes and sea level rise and floods and droughts in the carbon dioxide emissions era. Uh, it may be out there in the future. It may be that the temperature will go up. But of course, you all in Canada, which is the coldest country in the world. Oh, and back east, yes. <laughs> probably you wouldn't mind a degree once in a while. But, uh, you know, we don't really have the climate crisis. We have concerns about it, speculation about the future, which is important to keep in mind. But in the meantime, uh, we need to let the World Bank get back to doing what it did, uh, have the United States voting for clean coal plants there. Um, it doesn't make any sense to replace the indoor air pollution problem that kills 400,000 Africans a year in their houses because they're burning wood and animal dung in their stoves inside and replace it with an outdoor air pollution problem. So we do need to scrub the, the mm. sulfur dioxide from the, from the smokestacks of the coal. And that's what they're doing down there at the Turk plant in Arkansas, America's only um, really modern coal plant. And that's what we'd like to see African countries have the chance to try to do. And that would take a change in US policy now, I'll, I'll note for you, it's interesting, since I'm a, an American talking to you up there in Canada, even your green, green, green prime minister up there uh, begging the United States to allow your uh, oil to come from Western Canada in the pipeline to America because people need jobs, people need to eat. Well, that's the same logic here. Mm -hmm. Okay, in the long term, I'm sure Mr. Trudeau wants to move to renewables, but in the short term, he's helping keep the Canadian economy right. alive. Well. We feel the same way about Africa. In the long term, maybe there will be a wonderful change in technology and solar energy can be stored in batteries overnight when it's really needed. It's not there yet, but it might come. But in the meantime, Sarah, in the meantime, the United States should be voting yes at the World Bank when an African country says, we'd like to build an electrical grid to increase our electrification of houses from one third to two thirds and eventually universal. And I don't, I mean, yes, they can stand their ground and to a point of obviously wanting different forms of energy. But when you look at it from from uh, the human aspect and say, you know, ABC amount of lives are dying. Right. These are the facts. While you're arguing about, you know, different forms of energy, these people are dying. This particular plant has already proven itself to be clean. Right. 
what is the argument? You know, and I'm, I don't like politics because most of the time it's just one person trying to up the other person. And there isn't much collaboration. Um, you know, just my way or the highway. And at this point, you know, I think what has to happen is lay those lives down in front of them. Mm -hmm. All the death that, you know, a video says a, a, a hell of a lot, show them the lives that are really being affected and say, I understand about the future um, ecological change that we need. In the meantime, this low admissions will give life to these people from a humane standpoint allow it to happen right now in order to help them and if you want them to have solar or wind then provide it right because they can't provide it on their own if you're so gung-ho about that but start saving lives well it's interesting you're talking about the politicians as the place to lay the pictures and the videos i would disagree a little bit having been in politics a long time down here abraham lincoln said that public sentiment is everything yes i if agree you have public sentiment there's nothing you can't achieve and if you don't have it, you're lost. Right. And right now, I would say people like me who run an organization of scientists trying to say, let's look at both sides of the data and the analysis on whether we're actually destroying the planet with carbon dioxide emissions or not, uh, we are losing that battle in public sentiment. So mm -hmm. frankly, I would rather shows like yours, meet reaching average people uh, is where we put our energy because that has to bubble up. And then the members of parliament then the members of Congress uh, pay attention, uh, not because they hear from us, but because they hear from well-informed constituents who say, why in the world are you sacrificing African lives on the altar of uh, your renewable mandates, which they can't use right now? But I do understand, Sarah, having been in politics, uh, why people resist making a compromise. And I'll tell you why. It's the slippery slope. You've heard of the slippery slope. Mm -hmm. if, if, we, if I agree with you on this one little thing, oh man, it's going to be all over and I'm going to slide downhill. We're all terrified of giving in a little bit because our constituents who elect us, for example, are not listening to that. They're very either left-wing and screaming right. at us or they're yeah. very right-wing and screaming at us. And we don't have the guts to say, you know, I'm in the middle here on this issue. I can't agree with you because we have to go. When I came to Washington in 1980, people respected those members of Congress and looked mm -hmm. up to them who were known as the deal makers. Mm -hmm. They would go across the aisle and make a deal. They're all gone by now. Right. <laughs> they were they were voted yes. out in primaries because the Tea Party said you're too uh, you're 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 talking to them liberals and sort of the Black Lives Matter uh, left leaning diversity crowd and on the Democratic Party politically correct crowd was saying oh you liberal Democrats you shouldn't be talking to those uh, nasty Republicans so we have to rebuild our culture of compromise. Mm -hmm. I try to do that every day. I try to reach out to a, a different group or person every day who disagrees with our position to try to reach them. And that, that's, that's the way to do it. I 100% agree with you. And this is why I'm saying like, you know, a video on exactly what's going on, YouTubing it like crazy, getting it out in shows like this. Uh, let people see for themselves what your argument is. Yes, and, you know, then the logistics and the statistics afterwards will, 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 you know, it's something that then there's something to talk about. Why do we have a Black Lives Movement? It's been going on for 40 years. But why is it, you know, right now um, reaching a pitch? Because people reached their limit. They reached a point of, I just can't take this anymore. And when people are aware of what's going on elsewhere, and they can see, well, why are all these people dying when this is a simple solution? 
why are you allowing these people to die because of a political you know um opinion right political dispute right exactly you know that is is criminal and inhumane so i totally agree invite the public to stand up because you know right now the universe is shaking us up to wake us up to for us to stand up and change it up and you know we're looking at the wrongs in the world and the wrongs fundamentally of the way we treat each other the way we do not enable each other, the way we do not support each other, because it's become about me, myself and I. And we need to let go of that and realize that it is us. What yes. affects them over there will affect us in some form or other, even if it's just the energy force. That if we can call ourselves people who are, are humane, then we shouldn't let anybody suffer anywhere. Well, I'm so glad I've spent some time with you because now I have my marching orders for what our CO2 coalition needs to do next, which is put together a good video yes. uh, that explains this report mm -hmm. and get it out. So thank you for, for no. getting me in touch with what I need to do tomorrow. No, but that is, I'm afraid that is the point. Yes, you know, yes, it's um, people will listen to this and, and they'll either be woken up and where they'll start a conversation. But, you know, that video of actually seeing people, you know, hearing from the youth and say, I, I would love to have a business or I'd love to be able to go to work or I'd love to be able to do this. I'd love to provide for my family. And then looking at the people that are definitely suffering from this. Why does, um, oh, what's that, that thing called? Um, it's a religious thing, world something that people pay into, which is meant to help other people in trouble mm -hmm. around the world. And the thing is, you can gather millions and millions upon millions of support dollars when you appeal to people's heart and consciousness. Oh, I think you mean world vision. World yes. vision, yes. 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 Wonderful group, wonderful right. group. So, you know, having something like that that, you know, appeals to people because people will spare a dollar, a cup of coffee, two or three dollars, and all of that adds up, right? But if you're doing it also in, we're asking you to, um, to write to whoever needs to be written to, uh, to have your voice added to this as a petition, uh, to speak out on behalf of these other people for their rights. You've now got another movement. You've got the African energy movement going. And, you know, people want to be a part of something. They can't always physically be there because they're busy surviving themselves. But if they can get behind something in some way, then they will be, and you're right. The public opinion puts the pressure on the politicians. Right. Right. Well, that I agree with that. Now, I want to ask you, do you recognize the kind of shirt that I'm wearing right now? An African shirt? It's called a Madiba, mm -hmm. which was Nelson Mandela's clan name. Right. Yes. And Mr. Mandela got out of prison. He hadn't had a tie on in about 26 years. And so he begged his friends to find him a South African clothier who could sort of make him some hip uh, the, the things that look kind of nice and therefore you wouldn't have to button your, your collar. Right. So we always say in South Africa when we're wearing these Madibas to the office, to the university, to the bank, as you're, if you're a banker uh, or a lawyer, you always say, well, Nelson Mandela first freed the black man and then he freed the white man from having to wear a tie. So <laughs> this is called a Madiba and I always try to wear it when I'm talking about Africa. 
And, and, you know, having come from South Africa, and I did actually have a, a South African host for a while, but she ran into so many problems of trying to interview people and being cut out all the time because the yeah. internet was so bad. That South Africa is a long way from where you are. Oh, it's, a long way, a world. long way, yeah. Um, but, you know, I actually went to the island where he was being held. Um, I went- Robin for, Island. Yeah, Robin Island. I went there for an event, which was quite eye-opening. Eye um, and you know to think that you you kind of look at it as as you know what a waste of a wonderful man all those years but then it's it's like everything some things have to get broken for the person who who is going to come forward and give you the glue to put it back together or to reinvent it and if he hadn't been in jail for, I think it was 27 years if he hadn't right. been there for him to come out with such humility with no blame or shame against his captors, but to step forth in, in his conviction of freeing the black people, what an example of humanity and what, a, what an invitation to others to step up as well. I, I really, I feel that that's true, that Mandela in his life, first of all, had been uh, an anti-racialist. He was very clear from day one that all the white people and all the Indian people and all the black people who were in the borders of South Africa would always remain South African citizens. And he invited the whites to stay and he invited them to keep working in the economy. And he had to resist a lot of political pressure from his African National Congress colleagues to pull that off and it was brilliant. Yes. We need that kind of leadership now as people have stopped learning how to talk to each other politically. I find it in my personal life Mm -hmm. uh, I find it in my political life. It is much more difficult today to talk and, and compromise with those of us who are, in my case, also Americans. Uh, we're not really separated. In your case, also Canadians. We do need to, to talk to each other. I would say Mandela is a wonderful um, example, example, example yeah. for us. And let's look at how he did it. Always calm, always poised, always paused. He was not a person that came out rah, rah, rah. Right? Yeah, but he, he, was, he was awfully firm when he needed to be firm. Yes, but, but that, that firmness was really rooted. It wasn't, he didn't incite hate or discord or revenge. You know, it was about That's unification. True. It was about all of us stepping up and being a part of the solution. He was an inviter. And, you know, that's what we need right now. We do need calm minds and calm hearts to prevail. And I think a, a, a huge word that we don't use enough in, in the political world or in, in the world of, of humanity is kindness. You know, let's just start being kind to one another, because how can you be argumentative? How can you be um, violent towards someone if kindness comes first? It's that empathy of understanding what somebody else is going through and helping them through that angst in, to find a solution. Because why are people angry? Because they have a lack of something. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Well, in South Africa, you had a wonderful pair of young men at the time. Uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, who is today the president of South Africa mm -hmm. from the ANC, and Rolf Meyer, representing the African National Party, were the people under the level of um, uh, Mr. Mandela uh, and his uh, opposite number in the, in the African, uh, uh, in, in the National Party. 
Uh, I've met them both. It's remarkable the way they've lived their entire lives like that to get people to talk to one another. Uh, mm. they're, 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 they're still at it. So we're hoping that as President-elect Biden said, the, the era, the grim era of demonization of each other is over. But I will, yes. I will keep my eyes open for that because uh, the politics are still pretty tough right here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it is up to each and every one of us. You know, we put so much pressure on the so-called leaders and the politicians. Right. And, you know, well, right. you know, we're pointing fingers at them all the time, but there's three pointing back at us. And say, where's our accountability? Where's our responsibility? And, you know, our responsibility, even in what we say, how we say it, our own action, uh, it, it speaks volumes. So if you don't like something, what are you doing to change it? You don't like the way the African people have been treated there and they need power. They need energy. So you're doing something about it. And that's the point is like, don't just argue for argument's sake. How do you empower people to want to be a part of the solution? Good. Well, I encourage people who care about this issue to mm -hmm. uh, come visit us. Uh, our group is called the CO2 Coalition. So our website is that.org. And uh, please get in touch with us. Please learn more about it. And I'll be working on that video starting tomorrow to try yeah. to get, reach people in a more direct way. Thank you. Oh, no, but that is so very important. You know, the visual really does speak. Uh, we, you know, one of the problems that we have for society right now, a lot of people have just shut their hearts down. Oh, it's too painful. It's all too painful to feel. Mm -hmm. And we need to feel because we can't feel joy and we can't feel love if we, if we don't feel the pain. And the pain is just inviting you to, to find a solution to something. So we've got to go, you know, it's like labor. We go through the pain in order to give birth to, to a wonderful child. So, you know, right now we're in, the, in those positions of pain at the present moment worldwide, we, you know, with COVID. It's, uh, and, and I'm actually looking at Africa uh, at how fewer cases they have because they were smart in the lockdown straight away. You know, common sense prevailed. Um, the African people are ready and willing to be productive. They just need assistance. So it's time that we step up. And, and go, you know, how, how much was it? 14, 14 billion or trillion or something for, for this political election? Imagine oh, if, if the money had been put into education, health, you know, more support around the COVID. Imagine if it, you know, some of it had been given to the African countries in the way of this, this energy uh, right. technology. We spend our money on things that are so unproductive. It really, we need to start looking at where the investment truly lies and it needs to, needs to lie in humanity, planet and humanity, because we can't live one without the other. That's right. So the website is? CO2coalition.org. My name's Caleb Rossiter and I actually will answer any messages you send there. Uh, my friends, and uh, look forward to, uh, to working on this issue. And if people want to join up, um, they want to be a part of it, or they want to have a voice, you welcome anybody who wishes to come and be a part of it. Well, we're a little snooty, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, because what's special about our group is that we are a coalition of 60 climate scientists and energy economists. So it's people who really have spent their careers working in this field, uh, we certainly enjoy uh, people reading our material on the website and on our social media. Uh, many people contribute 
you know, financially to our group and we send them materials. But the core of our work, our membership in a sense, to be a member, uh, that's sort of an invitation only club. Mm -hmm. but, but we'd like to hear from, from those who are interested both with and without scientific backgrounds. Right. And of course, if people want to know more about the science, then obviously it's going to be on the site. And, you're, and you're, as you said, you're open and willing to have that conversation with people. Um, yes, I mean, that's really my job is, and I hope that paper that you have now, it kind of convinces you of that is to make the science and the economics that can be quite complicated, the energy systems, make it readable for the average person yeah. that we're yeah. trying to do. It yeah. has to be because the public, it's wrong to say only a scientist can decide something. No, a scientist has to explain the facts, but people are still going to decide in our democracy what the policies should be and you know it needs to be said in layman terms it needs right. to be said in a way that really is going to touch the heart and their consciousness mm -hmm. it needs to be said in a way that invites people to want to be a part of that solution and you know it, it that's one of the, the the downfalls of some scientists is that they've just been too highfalutin on the science and it uh, and, and and it's spoken above people's heads so you know appeal to their better nature to their consciousness and they won't feel stupid because they don't understand the, all the ins and outs of it, but they will uh, certainly open up to what you're having to say and what your end goal is, is needing to do. Yes, and I think in this case, because climate science is such an all-encompassing field, it goes from A to Z. You know, it, it, it has to do with zooplankton on one end and what happens to them in the oceans and atmospheric physics on the other end. It's so complex. People should realize nobody can understand all of this stuff. No. Not the most brilliant physicist in the world in one field can understand what CO2 does to crops as a crop food or something. It's just much too complex. So don't worry about wading in and learning. Uh, mm. We have materials that are at the right level and there's always gonna be someone who's much smarter and says, oh, it isn't that way. Well, just get them to calm down and explain in layman's terms, why not? And uh, you know, if they have a, a, um, an intellectual point of view, you know, that's the whole thing about science, isn't it? It's being open to information that is relevant, that is relevant to the solution. Um, so yes, one can come across, you know, with ba 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 ba, but and if you really want to, uh, somebody to really hear something, come across with something that really has a reason behind it, you know, um, uh, a point of view that isn't just bashing, but a point of view again that it has an opinion that can be an equation to a solution. We've had yeah, enough of that, right? Right, right. Well, for the years I taught statistics for public policy, both in South African universities and here, and I always tell the students, hey, when someone says the data show such and such, you say, oh, show me the data. Yes, <laughs> yes. We can all do it. We can all do it. Yes, yes. And, you know, be willing to explain what that data is because not everybody's wired that way into right. that dialogue. But right now, the bottom line is, African people need energy in order to have light, in order to save um, lives, in order to create industry. So we're looking at this from a humane standpoint right now. Very let's welcome. put everything else aside. Let's help them get what they need. When they become affluent and productive and their whole society has grown, then we make the argument to change energies. But in the meantime, give them light. Well said. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing with us here today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very important work that you're doing. A lot of what people don't know 
you know it's the same with how people didn't know about running water and toilets in india right. you know it's uh, when you know you know and and it's like okay what are you going to do about it and maybe it's all you can do is contribute 50 cents who cares or maybe it's just that awareness and getting that conversation going and having somebody to write to in government is saying this policy needs to change um lives are at risk here so you need the voices behind you right now and that's what I, you're doing inviting I, the voices i really do thank you so much Ms. troy my pleasure my pleasure until next time folks remember we are a part of the equation we're part of the solution so don't just sit back and turn your head be do something even if it's just giving your voice and so until next time bye for now we hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.